0: This is the Oanda Podcast, brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. I'm Johnny Hart. Each week, we look at all the big business and market headlines with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Ed Moyer in New York and Craig
1: Earlham in London.
0: Good afternoon, chaps.
1: Good afternoon. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. Well, the headlines this afternoon dominated by the latest figures on U.S. jobs, which have confounded all expectations. Employment climbed by 2.5 million last month. That's against predictions of a fall of 7.5 million. That has to go down as one of the most dramatic forecasting errors in economic history. Don't tell me you saw this one coming, Ed. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I did not see it. It was a historic job surge, and it really caught markets uh, by surprise. I think the rebound just highlights the relaxation of these restrictions on business across the country. It really helped uh, trigger, uh, you know, this surprise uh, beat here. And uh, when you consider also, we had a tremendous amount of uh, expectations that you know this was going to be a really bad reading. This was supposed to kind of be the exclamation point, the worst of the pandemic was going to be reflected in these numbers and we we saw surprise rebounds in leisure and hospitality construction it was pretty uh, wide range and i think you're probably going to see people be fairly uh, optimistic that you know the jobs report you know it's not a complete reflection of of what happened in may it's really mid may and when you consider the reopenings, you know, really started to gain traction towards the latter part of the month, there's going to be strong expectations that this recovery is, is really going to accelerate. And, and that's why we saw the NASDAQ already hit know record high territory and uh, it seems everyone is uh starting to get excited that the global economic recovery is is still uh it's accelerating and it's it's taking um uh, it's happening a lot faster than many people were expecting
0: we talk a lot about uh, bailouts these days but this is certainly bailing donald trump out in what is almost one of his worst weeks as uh, us president this uh figure from the united states has certainly had a very very positive effect on markets, and that European stock markets have ended the week at levels not seen since the start of the lockdown more than three months ago.
2: Yeah, it's quite incredible the the rebound that we've seen in stock markets, and I know we've talked about this now for quite a number of weeks, but this disconnect between stock markets and reality is becoming increasingly stark, and it's obvious why we're seeing it. Obviously, we've. Got- got unprecedented amounts of stimulus coming from central banks around the world. And on top of that, we've got enormous amounts of fiscal stimulus. And to complete the trifecta, we've now got economies reopening when you've got all of these things at the same time. It's not entirely surprising that we are seeing the markets not necessarily be reflective of what the world is that we all see out there. And the, the, maybe the, the markets don't necessarily reflect the kind of pessimism that still exists around what the next 6 to 12 months are going to uh, be like, it at least indicates... That maybe our worst fears are not going to come reality now that still doesn't mean that 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 it's not still going to be very bad but i think today it's a welcome bit of good news and a welcome bit of good data and again it's quite interesting isn't it the markets were very quick to ignore bad data very quick to jump on good data that's what that just uh, tells you everything that you need to know about these markets when markets are in a phase where bad news is good news and good news is good news it does suggest that these stock markets uh, uh, could potentially still have a lot long, a lot further to go. And given that we are already coming back towards record territory, or in record territory in some cases, that's why it's staggering in itself.
0: And Ed, much of the week has had the backdrop of the protests following the death of George Floyd. This story has gone global and pervades almost every element of all of our societies, apart from the fact that this issue alone could drown President Trump's hopes of staying in the White House race has become a big issue, hasn't it? And U.S. companies have declared their solidarity with protesters, which is fairly unusual, isn't it?
1: Very much so. I think that you're starting to see there's a tremendous amount of momentum here. And I think the nation, when you consider much of the country has been stuck at home, you have such a devastating story that has really gained a widespread support across most of the country. And you're probably gonna continue to see that this is going to be one of the primary focal points I think, heading into the election. And while there is optimism that you're going to start to see some progress there as far as the way certain uh, minority groups are handled and, and dealt with, and uh, I think there's calls on both sides that uh, you're, you're going to see some reform, I think, going forward. And, and when you take a look at the financial impact, uh, the, the, you know I, I think there is uh, expectations that these protests are going to start to fade. And the biggest financial you know risk that we're going to see is that um, you had widespread uh, gatherings uh, across uh, 40 major cities. And the health experts are very cautious that un- unfortunately uh, one of the repercussions could be that we could start to, in the next uh, two weeks, uh, see a significant um, increase in, in new cases and be very sad if it does trigger a, a new wave but there's uh, concerns that uh, some of these gatherings um, might have uh, triggered that, and and know uh, we'll wait and see. I think that uh, financial markets have, you know, for the most part, been strictly uh, this last leg solely on the reopening momentum, as all the states start to have, um, lax measures as far as, uh, restrictions in place and, and the surprise non-farm payroll report. Yes, that's kind of, uh, providing extra momentum here, but, uh, the, the reopening of the, uh, U.S. States are going to be required to continue this positive economic outlook. So if we see any, uh, major new, uh, spikes in cases that could derail a lot of the, the next phases for uh, several States and that, that would, um, definitely uh, start to weigh on the outlook. But right now, um, everything is, is looking green and, uh, uh, it, it seems there's still a tremendous amount of momentum and uh, we won't see uh, really the tick up in cases for at least a couple of weeks. So I think you're, you're still going to see a lot of positive momentum going to next week.
0: Craig, can we talk about uh, Brexit? It's one of your favorite subjects. We should give a nod to the Brexit talks that are going on at the moment, even if it's to say there's not much going on. Uh, we've had a statement from Michel Barnier today. He says no significant progress has been made. In these talks, and he has accused uh, the UK of backtracking on commitments on sectors like uh, fisheries and other issues in these talks. The deadline is looming for the end of this transition period. Is this just a lot of uh, jaw, jaw rather than war, war?
2: To be honest, who even knows at this point? I mean, I think many people, including myself, gave up a long time ago trying to predict what the outcome of these Brexit talks are going to be, the past Brexit talks, the ones before them and the ones before them, its it, it, it does feel like you are seeing a lot of posturing, obviously. But uh, uh, it, whether that means there's not going to be any follow-through is a different thing entirely. Obviously, the first deadline, I think, is the end of this month uh, in terms of what they want in terms of progress. Does that mean that we're three weeks away from an admittance that we're going to see a no-deal Brexit at the end of the year? I'd say probably not. I think that would be foolish. I think that would be naive. There is obviously the argument being made by some that we could effectively head for No Deal Brexit now, and you'll never know the f- full impact that it will have had on the economy because it will have been dwarfed by the coronavirus. So it's the kind of opportune moment where the, none of the responsibility lies on the outcome, uh, and you can get that clean break. I, I, I don't. I, I don't think I'm quite the cynic that these people are. I don't think uh, adding another uh, another. Uh, hurdle another bad situation for the economy is necessarily going to be going to be the situation that boris johnson and his team want to get themselves involved in so i think the next few weeks are probably going to be quite interesting but i do I, ju- I just think with brexit one thing that has that has always been the case is deadlines can be moved and deadlines are moved things are pushed back whether that means it's going to be pushed back by it to the, at the end of the year i would say that Rather, that than no deal is probably more likely. But again, this is entirely unpredictable. And I think the one thing I'd say is at the back end of last year when we were kind of previewing the year ahead uh, in that podcast, we were talking about there'll be some kind of makeshift deal. One thing, something that they can sign, a broad outline of an agreement with the details being left till later. I still think we're probably headed in that direction. But again, um, I wouldn't say with any kind of clear conviction because this is Brexit after all.
0: Gosh, that review of the year seems like uh, another lifetime ago, to be perfectly honest. Staying with Europe, Craig, we had uh, Eurozone bonds rallying after the ECB announced a bigger than expected boost uh, to its stimulus package uh, to tackle the economic fallout from coronavirus. Uh, The bond buying programme increased by 600 billion euros, which was uh, higher than expected, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, and this is the pandemic emergency purchase program that I think was initially um, scheduled to move on to the end of the year, which is now due to ske- due to run until the middle of next year. So again, just a kind of acknowledgement that this situation is far worse than it was when they initially launched it uh, and that they deemed the extra support to be uh, entirely uh, necessary this takes the program to 1.35 trillion euros takes the number of bonds that are going to be purchased in 2020 to 1.4 trillion euros so this is like this this is a huge uh, albeit temporary purchase program this is a huge amount of support at a time when governments are going are being forced to uh, raise uh, enormous amounts of debt in order to stave off the pandemic but are also now seeing debt to GDP ratios going well beyond what was previously deemed unsustainable levels and therefore this kind of intervention from the central bank is just increasingly necessary to try and reduce the divide that we do see between the kind of richer north and the, the poorer south and um, and create those further divisions obviously a couple of weeks ago we saw the uh, eu step up with its uh, idea of a recovery program which comes on top Uh, Of the uh, the initial support program that was announced and will lie alongside the seven year budget. So combine these two things, and we do have an enormous amount of stimulus being pumped into the euro area economy. But whereas you can look at the US jobs report today and say, well, the US jobs, the US economy is. He's probably is far better positioned to bounce back stronger from this situation and you can imagine a scenario in which in a year's time the u.s economy is back in a relatively strong position you look at europe and you don't necessarily share the same optimism because you have now italy with a far higher debt burden you're going to have unemployment spiking in economies that were still not recovered from the debt crisis in terms of unemployment when you look at all these situations you can't you, you wonder what date it is when we're going to see interest rates in the EU uh in positive territory. I think for many countries it's going to be a long time. But it it's gonna be a remarkable amount of time before the ECB is gonna feel like it can step back and stop. Um Trying to uh, be the 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 grand savior of this project, uh, and I think that, like I say, the coronavirus uh, pandemic has just been an enormous step back as far as they're concerned.
0: The recovery in the oil price uh, continues now back to really quite uh, normal levels, around about the forty dollar mark for WTI and uh brent and this is ahead of a, a big uh announcement from opec over the weekend isn't it
1: yes very much so i think right now oil prices are getting a, a couple of good um hits of good positive news here with respect to uh these uh the current opec plus production cuts are set to be extended another month um you know the, this was a very interesting lead up to the meeting and you had uh the the saudis and russians basically pressuring the iraqis to uh come on board in, in agreeing to uh, production cuts and also to uh, promising to uh, make up for all their cheating that they've done um, in addition to Angola and Kazakhstan. Uh, so so the, the holdup this time was Iraq for the most part. And uh, I think right now there is optimism that, yes, we're going to get something done, uh, whether or not Iraq you know lives up to their end of the deal is is you know that's easily debatable uh they're strapped for 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 money um half their uh, their government employee their government employees i think are roughly making about half of what they normally do uh there is just a tremendous uh a shortfall of revenues because of what has happened to oil prices so you're you're likely to see iraq uh You know, remain uh, one of the cheaters. And uh, I think that, you know, this is probably the last time we really see these OPEC uh, cuts get extended because um, what we're starting to see, though, is that improvement with um, crude demand and and, uh, it's starting to take. Fold uh, even before this uh, employment report, we had American Airlines, who uh, increased uh, their their flights by 70%. So you're starting to see uh, domestic travel pick up in the U.S., not international. But as if we start to have uh, uh, much more improving signs with demand, uh, you're gonna you're gonna see uh, these producers uh, um, want to win back market share. So it's unlikely uh, I think that uh, these production cuts are gonna go well be- beyond July, and 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 that's probably why I think you're. Likely to see oil prices be near their top. Um, there's, you have to remember why did we have production cuts, uh, you know, for OPEC over the the past few years, and it was really uh, uh, to support prices. If WTI crude is able to to trade above. 45 between 45 and $50 that's enough to save a tremendous amount of us shale so if if you're if you're concerned about market share if that's your uh, you know end game uh, there's no reason why you're going to see the russians allow for prices to continue uh, this upward trajectory so i think uh, we're probably going to see a, a much more exciting trade here right now it's been a one way move for oil prices but i think you're going to you see uh, probably the $40 level for WTIB defended, and uh, I would be very cautious, though, with uh, any short positions. You have a a tremendous amount of reason uh, that there's going to be further momentum with this reopening uh, story that's unfolding. Holding across the globe, and also too, we have to take in consideration uh, hurricane seasons here. And uh, right now, tropical storm uh, uh, Cristobal is going to possibly uh, uh, go through a key energy uh, producing region, so you could see extended disruptions. Uh, this is expected to be a tremendously uh, bad uh, hurricane season. Um, there, there's uh, some experts saying that it could be as bad as 2005 when we had Hurricane Katrina. So, if there's major disruption with uh, U.S. production, you could see that be a, a another catalyst that can really uh, help drive oil prices higher so there's a lot to stay on top of uh, whether it's uh, activity in the Persian Gulf or or OPEC's upcoming meeting so I think uh, we're going to see prices remain very very uh, lively in the next few days.
0: So finally guys uh, let's briefly look ahead to next week. Uh, Ed what are you looking out for?
1: I think uh, there's a couple of uh, big events. Uh, the the one that I'm going to start off with is the Fed. There's nothing expected out of them. Uh, they're they're going to remain in a holding pattern. Uh, we're not going to see any changes to policy right now. The the Fed has done uh, their job. They've uh, they've uh, unveiled a tremendous amount of programs and stimulus measures to support the economy. Now they have to see how things unfold. Um, one of the key things that I'll be trying to get uh, from the, the the meeting though is if they uh, discuss exactly uh, um, yield curve control. They're going to maybe possibly try to target yields for certain treasuries, uh, some of the, maybe the two or five year uh, maturity. So there's going to be a lot to follow, but uh, I I think you're going to see the Fed that's going to remain supportive uh, and just wanting to see more data. I think they're going to address that. You know, yes, the economy did bounce back in May. But I think they're going to still remain a cautious stance because there are still a tremendous amount of uncertainties with the outlook. Uh, the, the next key story, I think, which, you know, for some, maybe the, the, the primary one is the reopening story. We're, we're going to start to see New York City reopen. Uh, I think uh, that's going to be uh, closely watched. Uh, it also, we're going to have, it's just a global story. India is going to uh, lift uh, some of their, uh, their, their nationwide lockdown. They're going to allow some malls and restaurants to open. Uh, uh, you're you're also seeing um, uh, res- easing of uh, restrictions in South Africa and uh, New Zealand. So there's there's a tremendous amount of of, uh, of uh, I think um, expectations that you're going to have economic activity pick up, continue to pick up across the world world um the and then also too uh, um, there's there's going to be a lot of people that do uh, pay close attention to some key forecasts we're going to have uh, the world bank they're going to release their semi-annual global economic prospects report uh, and then also the oecd is going to give their uh, twice yearly analysis so i think you're going to see exactly how bad things are expected to to get this year but everyone's going to focus focus on what's the the, the picture for uh, 2021 and uh, i think uh, in, in addition to that uh you're, you're just gonna see people uh, mostly pay attention to these price levels because uh, u.s stocks are close to record high territory on the s p 500 they already reached it for the nasdaq how much more can we go higher um while we're, we're still uh, going to see uh, permanent jam- damage to the to the labor market. Uh, there's some sectors that are not going to come back anytime soon. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, financial markets continue to navigate here.
0: Okay, guys, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Have a very good weekend and speak to you again next time. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, you too.